At the beginning, I was suffering from depression, so I was very afraid to go out. When I look back where I was and now where I am to the point of extreme excitement, I don't know how to explain the opposite sides of that. Hello and welcome to the Scrimba podcast. On this weekly show, I speak with successful developers about their advice on learning to code and getting your first junior developer job. My name is Alex and today I'm joined by Kaidem, who is a self-taught developer that just got a job as an engineer at Amazon. Kaidem grew up in the state of India called Assam, which is known for wildlife and tea plantations, less so JavaScript and React. It seemed natural that because there were civil engineering jobs going in this rural area, that Kaidem should pursue civil engineering and study that at university. Even though he got a bachelor, it turned out he wasn't that interested in it. He was much more interested in the work his roommates doing programming got to do, so he set out to teach himself programming. Something you'll hear a lot about during this interview is this website called LeetCode, which is where you solve advanced programming problems, especially algorithmic ones, against the clock. It's not just enough to solve the problem, your solution has to be efficient as well. 1,000 LeetCode challenges later, Kaidem got a job at Amazon and he was overjoyed. This is the story about battling depression, coasting through an internship during the pandemic before eventually being put through the ringer at Amazon and getting a job. You are listening to the Scrimber podcast. Let's get into it. Before I started coding, I had a bachelor's of technology in civil engineering. After I graduated, I transitioned into computer programming and then now I'm working in Amazon. Basically, I did not have any idea what to do after I finished my high school. So as I grew up in a place where civil engineering jobs were in high number, I decided to join civil engineering with the guidance of my parents and family's friends. And later, when I was graduating, I realized that I have no interest. But I had a good degree, I mean, good college education. So I had a 8.5 CGPA out of 10. Basically, it was a good, but still, I had a bigger interest in computer programming. As my own roommate is a software development engineer at Microsoft right now. <laughs> So all of my roommates were also from computer science degree. And I don't know who played a big role, but that's how it goes. That's remarkable because sometimes once you've gone to university and you've graduated, and especially if you felt like this was something that your friends and family were associated with, it's quite difficult to like change and do something new. But it sounds like your roommates were doing programming and it was just something that you found interesting and wanted to learn more about yourself. How did you go about actually learning to code? Because, okay, your friend studied computer science, but you already had a degree. So I guess you had to go online and figure out the best way to learn for you. I started with Udacity, Introduction to Programming Nano Degree. Basically, what I thought was that I am not going to go any college education anymore. There were many news out there where 
people without any degree were having a job. I mean, like they were developers in big, big companies. So I decided I can do it. I'm from India, but I have no idea if it is possible. But I don't know. I have a faith that I can do it. So I certificate course from Udacity thinking that once I get a certificate, I will get a job. So I kept on doing and doing certificate after certificate. But I think I had a very big interest completing certificates every day, but I still lack the skills to apply for the job. <laughs> what kind of skills were they? Like what came to mind? Understanding the basics. It was like learning the alphabets. I understood the sentences, but I didn't understand the alphabets. So when an interviewer asked me the basic questions in the interview, I couldn't connect the dots and present a solution to them. So that is what I felt I missed when I learned the certificate courses. It's interesting you identified that. How did you go about fixing it? So I had to understand what are the developers in big companies like Amazon, Facebook, Google were different from others. I just, I want to be the best. I want to work with the best. So I wanted to learn what the best are doing. Identify one trait. In the, in the interviews, they ask the basic questions. They focus on the basics and they focus on problem solving. Uh, so I figured out that in order to work with the best, I have to be very clear on my foundations i have to know how to develop a solution and slowly slowly i have to look for courses similar to what can be helpful for me such as learning from bleed code for example and not only like just looking at youtube but also how do i say challenging myself for example scrim bob girol course is one thing that i love the most when i see bob girol course uh, the thing about him is that he wants to tell a story a story that people clearly understand and also is able to reproduce the same story from their own side. I mean, I feel like we can also do the same thing exactly Bob Zero is doing in our own way. We connect our own dots and present the solution in our own way. Uh, I had to find search for it and then I have to keep on searching and searching for good courses and trying out many things and then I have to filter many things out and stick with the best. I love your approach where you looked at what the best developers were doing to try and replicate that and that you identified leak code as something that some of the best developers do. I know that not every developer wants to do leak coding, but if you're talking about FANG companies like Amazon and Google and Microsoft, these type of leak code questions often come up in the interviews and they're almost a prerequisite to be successful. How did you like approach leak code? Like I remember looking at your profile a few weeks ago and you were just incredibly consistent, I thought. And I think you've done something like a thousand leak code challenges now, which is just incredible, Kaidam. It was something that I noticed what makes uh, best developers? They are very consistent and they're very persistent. That's one of the best advice that I learned. And as you have said that I have done 1000 lead code challenges. So I was never good at lead code. I did 200, 300 coding challenges, but I was still not good. I had to be consistent. And there are many days I had to take help. I had to learn how to ask questions and I just basically keep on looking for answers in YouTube and community channels. Consistent and persistent. I like that a lot. 
Did you find that you got a lot better at Leak Code and the challenges became easier as you did more of them? Yes. I didn't know when did I become better, but one day I just was on my 600 challenge or 700 challenge. I see that there's a pattern that I have developed. I have learned from my previous questions. Now I see that why the questions before me were looking difficult and now I find it very easy. So then I realized that if I have given up before, then I would have never faced this 600 challenge and I would say now it's easy. The thing that I say is persistent and consistency. I never knew it until I came to my 600, 800 challenge. At that time, one of my mentors I had said that it is not someone who is smart that makes a good developer. A smart developer can, they can leave this job and start pursuing, doing other things. But it is someone who is consistent, who is ready to do it like every day. And every day is like a fresh day for them. Uh, and he is willing to not give up no matter what. That is what makes them a very good developer, programmer, or a software engineer. And I was quite happy when I was like about to reach my 1000 coding challenge. I think you're absolutely onto something though, because it's hard to predict when that moment is going to come where you find things a bit easier. Like it's not always the case you wake up one morning and you're like, oh, this is like easy for me now. It kind of creeps up on you. But the only way to get there is to practice consistently. I have to be honest, like a lot of my previous guests on the podcast, they haven't done leak code and things like that. I'm going to link your leak code challenge profile in the show notes so people can see your contribution graph and the challenges you've been doing. But just remind us, why was leak code so important to your journey? Is it because you really wanted to work at a fan company like Amazon or did you just use it as a tool to become the best developer you can be and trust that you would get the job you want at the end? When I was working in many frameworks like WordPress, Android, React.js, Django, I noticed that I can work with a framework to a certain extent. A framework can provide me solutions to a certain extent. But to develop a new feature, I cannot rely on a framework. I have to develop my own solution. So I found lead code or any other coding challenges, right? Uh, Hacker rank. They helped me out in developing that problem solving ability. When I saw that if I do a lot of data structures on strings, how to reverse the last element and the first element in the Array. how to do it in the lowest time possible, how to reverse an array. I found that it is very helpful to reduce the operation costs for any development. And not only that, it's like a context API instead of developing uh, repeated code. I could picture that thing in my mind when I started developing, solving questions on lead code. It was helping me indirectly in my development life and many other aspects. So that's why I wanted to go deeper and deeper so that I can make things more simpler and fast. That made me go more deeper into lead code and getting into Fang was never a dream for me, but I thought it was always out of my reach. I thought I was never enough as I came from a place where I think everyone got into Fang through a degree and not without a degree. So I thought 
I'm thinking too big, but it was a, really a surprise for me when I uh, got this job in Amazon and I could not express how delighted I was. Hello, it's Jan. I want to use this opportunity to invite you to check out Scrimba's YouTube channel. We have live coding, we have interviews, and we also have a lot of videos that teach you how to learn to code. It is youtube.com slash Scrimba. Hi, Dem and me will be right back. But first, Jan, the producer, and I have a quick favor to ask from you. This is the mid-roll where I remind you that the best way to support the show is to share it with someone. Word of mouth always counts. And if you know someone who's learning to code and would benefit from what we're doing here, why not share the podcast with them on socials, on Discord, or in person? And if you're feeling extra supportive, we would really appreciate a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. If there's a way to leave a rating, it is absolutely valuable. We are a weekly show and we have a new inspiring and insightful interview every Tuesday. And if you subscribe to the show, you can make sure you're not going to miss a thing. And now back to the interview with Kaidem. I'm actually super excited to learn a bit about how you started navigating your first programming jobs, because I think you worked somewhere before Amazon. What kind of development were you doing? Because I saw in the past that you did a bit of Android development, but you were also like watching Bob's courses, which you enjoyed on Scrimba. And you mentioned WordPress and you mentioned Django. Was there a particular type of development that you really liked? Or maybe you're one of those people who just thinks, okay, I've got a problem. I'm just going to find the right tool for the job. You don't don't really have a loyalty to any particular coding language or framework. It's not like that. I don't know why I changed frameworks. I came to realize later uh, only like after moving into three, four frameworks, then I realized uh, I have done so many frameworks. Did you regret it a little bit? Sometimes I would have stick to one framework and master it. And then I realized, no, I didn't regret it because I feel like I should keep on exploring. I wouldn't say I regretted it, but I wanted to be good in something at the end. I can relate to that. And I think a lot of people listening can as well, because it's tempting to try a bunch of different coding languages and frameworks. And you can learn the basics in like a week or two, probably. But then you're kind of okay at a bunch of different tools. You're not like great at one of them. And normally when you have a product to build or a freelance job to do or a job interview to crack, it's more helpful if you're just really good at one, maybe two things. Yeah, that's when I started looking into things like lead code challenges so that I can develop skills on basics, not much on frameworks because I can learn frameworks very easily. But to understand and keep my foundation strong, it takes time. <laughs> if I know the foundations very well, it is very easy to learn any framework. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point because, you know, frameworks and programming languages, they're just tools. The real job that programmers do is like solve problems and come up with instructions. Since you've done so many leak code challenges and, and coding challenges, do you have any advice that you've learned about how to solve like problems when you're faced with a challenge in your project? Or maybe you need to implement your own logic because there isn't a function that exists for that thing already. When you have solved so many coding challenges in lead code, whenever I go and see a development project, I first try to understand the architecture as I approach a coding problem. So it's just like this. First, I see a question 
question i try to understand the question after i understand the question i will see what approaches i can go with with the best possible approach and then i write it down whatever approach i can and if it does not work i ask for help this is how i normally approach a lead code problem this is someone who has practiced over 800 questions above for a beginner you'll just jump into looking solutions and just write it down now coming to the development project in the same way i try to see what solutions has been implemented and as i have already solved many lead code challenges when i press submit right in the lead code challenge when i press submit it always check for the fastest code the best code possible so it used to give time limit exceeded means it took more than five seconds to complete the process this kind of solutions are not accepted in a lead code so in the same way when i see a development project i see if this particular function is going to give take around five seconds four seconds just imagining that if it can be reduced so these things automatically come to my mind and not only that making it simpler when I have seen my friends, uh, colleagues uh, developing a front-end website where they were using a lot of reuse, uh, components like A, B, C, D, E, F. A component was calling B component, B component was calling C component, C was calling D. Likewise, it was a long list. It was going to take a lot of like five steps down and five steps up. I said that, uh, no, this is very long process. We can make it more simpler. So using context API or Redux, we make it more simpler. So we can identify some things like this if we want to make our development projects more simpler not only for the developers but for the customers because the customers will experience a much better speed when they open a website definitely and they will have less errors it sounds like your advice to problem solving is to practice a lot because the more problems you solve and it's okay to ask for help if you're stuck the greater your intuition is so that in the future if you see a similar problem like your example where component a is calling b c and so on you know that there's a better way to do it and that's where like design patterns can come in also optimizations but i guess in a lot of cases with frameworks and libraries there are sometimes implementations of a design pattern that you can latch onto right so the right thing to do in react is use the context api in your example i guess but yeah, the more problems you're exposed to, the better you're going to get at recognizing the patterns, I think. Yes, because whatever solutions that I have implemented on lead code challenges, these are also solutions already existing. So I have to search for it and maybe implement in the new way. For example, we have different ways of writing for loop. That's why I always try to suggest anyone to at least have a good understanding of strings and array data structures. If anyone is going for a React developer or front-end developer job, which is extensively using objects and strings and array. So Kaidem, it's amazing to hear a bit about how you learned to code and practiced, but eventually the time came for you to apply for jobs or think about what you're going to do for your career. You had a degree already, but it was in civil engineering, and it seems like you lived somewhere where there wasn't a lot of tech jobs. How did you go about navigating your job search at the beginning? At the beginning, I was suffering from depression at that moment, so I was very afraid to go out. That is why I started with my hometown near my hometown. I could have directly come to Chennai or Bangalore, where I am right now, but at the time, I was mentally suffering and I had to get over my own mental health. <laughs> 
So I started to go with the easy way. Uh, started to look work around my hometown. Since I was regularly practicing, I couldn't help myself applying for better jobs one after another. And then everyone knows that uh, two years of gap we have in the whole world, COVID-19. Still, I was able to have a job during the time. And then after doing that time, I found a better opportunity. Now it was into a React.js role. And all the frameworks that I have worked with, uh, I found React.js to be the best. I would say Bob Zirol was the reason <laughs> I could understand it. I don't know, maybe two years of practice made me understand Bob Zirol course or he was the best, I would say, till now. Let's go with that. I was able to crack all React.js interview because of Bob Zirol. Every questions that they asked me on React, I definitely answered them as fast as I could. <laughs> Cracking a React interview was a piece of cake for me. <laughs> okay, we have another Bob Zirol fan over here. Bob is one of the internet's favorite React teachers and also He's the head of education at Scrimba, and we had him on the show just last week. In the evenings, sitting in my wife's tiny, tiny walk-in closet, the only place I could get good sound, I recorded the original React course, I think in 2018. It was really important to use the Scrimba platform to its full potential, which later we kind of realized that I was only scratching the surface and people liked it. Anything in this life that you have gotten good at, you've done it because you practiced. The easiest way to learn something new is to do it the hardest way possible, which is to actually do it. Really fun and informative episode. And if you haven't listened to it, find it wherever you're listening to this or at screenbacom slash podcast slash Bob dash zero. That's Z-I-R-O-L-L. And now back to the show. First of all, I'm really sorry to hear that you felt depressed and deflated. And at the same time, I'm really impressed, honestly, about your approach because I think when you're feeling like you're struggling, it can be super overwhelming. And instead of coming to a stop and giving up, you found a way to make it work for you. Like you stayed locally and you started in a job that maybe wasn't your perfect job, but you knew it was like a starting point. And I just wanted to say, I thought that was really impressive. I also think it was impressive. I always wondered that how did I came through that period? But I'm quite happy that right now where I am. That's really inspiring to hear. And I think that a lot of people listening, I don't know how many, I just know that different developers have different journeys. And for some people, they manage it really smoothly. Things go as planned. For many of us, like it can be a very difficult time transitioning careers. And, you know, so much of our happiness comes from our purpose, like knowing what we want to do. So much of our happiness comes from contributing to society, you know, being between jobs, it can feel very confusing. And a lot of our happiness as well, it comes from like being around people who share our values and find the same things we do interesting. And I just know that when you're between jobs, those things don't always exist. And so I really appreciate you telling us about your story because I'm sure at least a few people will resonate with it today and it will remind other people that this is a kind of long process where you have to manage your emotions as well as your study schedule. The first job you did, did they give you like a job interview and stuff right away for the full-time job? Or was it more like an internship? I think it was like an internship because the employer knew that I came from a civil engineer background. So maybe he just wanted to give me time to understand and also understand the IT world. How did that work? Internships, in my experience, they're kind of like long job interviews where they hire you for a summer, like three months or something. 
And then at the end, they either hire you full time or they don't, right? And that's kind of scary. What was your experience? Uh, my experience, I wanted to find a better job. I thought that I was like overqualified. So you had like quite an easy time at the internship. Uh, it was very easy. Even the employer told me, I think you are, you can even run the whole company, something like that. I don't know what he said. All right. What did you decide to do next? What was the next job? And like, what did that interview process look like? Was it more challenging maybe? The next interview process was also very easy, but I decided to stick with it because there was a pandemic going on. That's a very good point. Like it was hard to be picky and choosy when the world was ending and the economy was collapsing. <laughs> Most people felt just pretty happy to have a job at that time. Yes. And then I found Scrimba. Like the JavaScript match 2020. Oh, no way. That's how you learned about Scrimba. Awesome. Yes. I was like attending a church Christmas, right? I was attending a service and the lottery for the eternal award. That's Scrimba subscription forever. I was hoping to win it, <laughs> but uh, I got a discount still. For the uninitiated, Scrimba organizes coding challenges from time to time. And recently we had on the show somebody who took part in one of them, managed to also win a membership and changed careers at the age of 49. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you code once every 15 days or a month or whatever, you're never going to develop. I've only started looking into what to do in January. I heard from someone else about boot camps. I had not heard about boot camps at all. I decided to see if I could become a developer, which I didn't think was possible. Linking the episode in the show notes. It was also a good one. Nice, congrats. I don't remember the specifics, but I certainly remember you being a very active part of the Scrimbo community. We used to host these weekly community meetups on Zoom. We stopped doing them probably half a year ago. But back then, yeah, I think you attended almost everyone and it was always super nice to see you. Did that kind of community aspect help you on your journey at all? Yes, you see, I was missing the part where I have my colleagues help me out with different problems. And I attended the Zoom meetings to not only interact with people from Scrimba, but also from around the world. I just wanted to feel like how people smile, people talk or interact when they are developer. There was also COVID and I didn't get to experience that friendship from my colleagues as much as I could have done in my college days. I missed that part. So the reason I joined Zoom is to just increase my communication skills and learn a lot. Yeah, man, that's really nice. And I'm really happy the Scrimba community could give you that feeling of being around like-minded developers. And one thing I'm learning from you, Kaidem, is that there's a lot of value in looking at how the people who are doing what you want to do, practice and behave. Early in the interview, you mentioned that your favorite developers basically working at these awesome companies, what do they do? They practice leak code. So you did that. And now you were sort of appreciating the softer side of things. Like how do successful developers at reputable companies communicate and talk about coding and stuff like that? And so it wasn't too much longer after that but you started to go through the interview process at Amazon let's change gears a little bit and talk all about that because it's a really big deal obviously Amazon is a huge tech company you got in without a degree which is super impressive 
how did you learn about the job opportunity and what was the application process like for a company like Amazon? Basically, I know that Amazon does not respond to any job applications that easily. I applied for Amazon jobs like many months ago. So uh, I just kept my resume there. And then in my email list, I just saw a coding contest by Amazon. Coding contest, they had some data structures, lit code type questions. I think some MCQ questions and two lit code type questions. I thought that why not give it a try? There's no harm in giving it a try. Uh, I just appeared for a coding contest. And then like four or five days later, I got a surprise. I I have been invited to an interview and they sent me to upload my resume. That's how it started. Oh, so part of the application process, like you upload your resume and you have to solve a couple of like leak code type questions. Actually, it was a global contest. It was like running on some hacker rank website. So I decided to apply for it and they invited me. Amazing. And normally companies like Amazon, they do a few different rounds of interviews. How many rounds did they do? They usually have four or five rounds for different roles. In my case, I had four rounds. What did they ask of you in the first round? It was lead code type questions. <laughs> Perfect. These lead code questions, did they feel familiar because you'd been practicing on lead code for so long? Definitely, yes. If you don't practice for it, you'll suffer because you have to explain what you have solved. And if you have solved it, you have to make it sure that if you can improve that solution. So it's not just, I have solved it, that's it. Uh, it's going to be a back and forth questions also. And so in the second round, I'm kind of curious to know, like on Discord, you wrote situational questions, but I don't actually know what that means. Like what's a situational question? It's about what would you do if you are in such a situation, like when you're managing a project or something like that. There were four interview rounds. How long did it take them to like tell you the results of the interview after your last round? The result was announced a week later. One week to wait for the result. Like that's not terrible, but at the same time, it's kind of nerve wracking waiting to hear back. Did you have a feeling about what they would say? Like, did you feel like you did well at the interview? Were you just not sure? Tell us about that week leading up to you getting an email from them. Like, how did you feel? I never tried to have expectation. <laughs> I remember crying once when I had expected to get an offer before. So for Amazon, in this case, I share my feedback with some of my colleagues who are already working in Amazon. And they said, brother, you are going to get selected. Don't worry. <laughs> they gave me hope, but still, I wanted to hear officially because there are so many factors that need to be taken into account. So when I got it, I basically, I think I jump up. You jumped for joy. Yes, I thought that in order to produce positive motivation that I'm going to do it no matter what one day. So I used to say to my colleagues that I'm going to work in Amazon. I'm going to work in Facebook. <laughs> Even when I was eating with them, uh, I used to say to them that what is your long-term plan? Some say that they want to open their own company. And I said, I want to go for this man companies <laughs> just to avoid negative thoughts, but to have a long-term plan, no matter what the result is. If not today, then tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then tomorrow, surely I will be joining it. <laughs> So I was kind of surprised, way, way too surprised because of when I look back of where I was completely depressed and now where I am to the point of extreme excitement. I don't know how to explain the opposite sides of that. So I don't know whom should I share my story with, how will they understand it. 
or if I'll be able to explain my story. It's a story that I thought I could tell to someone to inspire if the time comes. I think it's been a very inspiring story from feeling depressed and not sure about what to do uh, to now working at one of the most prestigious tech companies. That's not everybody's goal, but it was yours. And obviously it made you really happy. And it's just extremely exciting that Scrimba could play a part and super thankful Kaidem that you've taken some time with us today to tell us about your story. We have to wrap up in a minute, but do you have any closing advice to anyone listening who's trying to learn to code and break into tech? Anything you maybe wish you knew at the beginning of your journey? I would say that uh, from what I have learned from my mentors and what I have observed, that please don't give up. Be persistent in what you do and be consistent. That's something that I have observed that anyone from any background who has these traits is able to do great things in the days to come. Yes, that's awesome, Kaidan, and a wonderful note to end on. Thank you so much for joining me on the Scrimba podcast. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for listening to the Scrimba podcast and make sure to check out the show notes. If you like the show, check out our back catalog or subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure not to miss the upcoming ones. We publish a new podcast every Tuesday evening, London time. And we really enjoy telling the stories of people from all over the world that can also help new developers just like you. And speaking of all over the world, the show is hosted by Alex Booker, who is recording from London. You can connect with him on Twitter. Scrimba is based out of Norway. And I'm your slightly nomadic producer, Jan, currently recording this in Athens, Greece. Where are you listening from? Tweet at us and let us know. And don't forget to share what you learned from the pod. Until then, we will see you next week.